When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's another great day in the neighborhood. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a great, great Mr. Rogers reference there. <laughs> and I am having a great day over here in our neck of the woods. We have been celebrating Earth Week, Derek. Did you know that it's Earth Week? <laughs> I hope you've been doing something for Earth Week. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I don't, uh, I, I had heard things about Earth things, but I, I knew that there was an earth day, but I, I actually didn't know that there was an earthquake, earth day, or sorry, earth week. So I was not aware that it is earthquake, but, uh, yes, we've, we've been enjoying the earth this week. <laughs> How about you? Have you, have you done anything special? Oh yeah. Well, I've just been going around planting trees and, uh, you know, just caring for Mother Earth like uh, I do on non-Earth weeks. Man. No, we do want to go camping this week and look at the moon, though. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, that's not really part of Earth, but that's what we'll be doing to get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of what we've been up to. Oh, you you cool. still healthy over there? Yeah, we're all doing well. We've basically finally got a, a timeline now. The day we're recording this is uh, April 22nd. So I'm in Texas and we got our timeline and basically have uh, about a couple weeks before we'll be kind of jumping back into more of a normal routine in the practice. Uh, what about what about things for you? Oh, that's exciting. Two weeks. <laughs> Enjoy your last two weeks. Yeah. Um, we are just reopening. I have been, I kind of mentioned earlier, I've been doing half days, just um, lots of emergencies because that's kind of what um, a lot of what I do. But we're opening, you know, floodgates uh, mid next week for, you know, as far as hygiene and non-essential things. So uh, we're excited. We're excited. It's going to be good. I think in my experience so far, I don't know if this is helpful for other dentists. Most patients, at least the ones that are coming in, um, it's not like a weird thing. It's, you know, you, you may be surprised to see how normal things are. Like we have extra protective masks and we put some rest filters. <laughs> filters. I was going to say respirators. No, that's what they need in hospital. Yeah, we put some uh, HEVA filters in each operatory thinking, you know, patients would be worried and we could point to this and say, look, we're filtering aerosols and stuff, but no one's really cared. So we've kind of been just practicing essential treatment um, without a waiting room. Um, so patients aren't sitting in there. And to be honest, things are, are pretty smooth. I think most people will get back right back in their groove. Yeah, I hope so. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, because we're all isolated, I mean, all of our perception of what's going on in the public and everything is, is all online. And some of uh, a lot of times the most of what you read online are some of the most polar views. So yeah, I, I agree with your thoughts. I think basically what I've been advising clients to do at this point is decide whatever protocols that you have in place, you need to basically just do a good job of 
sharing those with patients and just and just let them know that you are 100% comfortable and confident in in treating them and in and that you've created a safe environment. Honestly, I think even if you didn't change your protocols at all, as long as you and your staff feel confident in them and you can portray that to patients, then it's it's my hope that our patients can sense that and any of the ones that may be more on edge uh, will be able to feel comfortable because the reality is, in my opinion, is is just that we have done things for years in a way to be able to protect us from all of these things. So I think, although yes, there are aerosols and stuff like that, I still think a dentist office is probably one of the safest places that you can, you can be just because of all of the efforts that we go to, to keep a clean environment. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Well said. So let's, uh, let's get into the topic for, for today. We are going to dive into something that we've, uh, we've had a lot of listeners and people ask this type of question. And that question is along the lines of, how do you consistently produce over $10,000 a day? The tough thing about answering this question is that most people asking the question are expecting or hoping for some kind of magic bullet, a secret sauce that when you put it in the mix, that it somehow provides some kind of a, a pump and, and an increase. We've talked about this concept before, but we all kind of look at others that we might place on a pedestal, whether they're sports icons, movie stars, business leaders, you know, whoever it might be. For some reason, a lot of times we look at them and we think, oh, there's just something special about those people that's allowed them to get where they are. There's, there's just no way that I could get to where they are. Or, you know, just because of that, you know, we, this unknown mysterious component that we assume is there. Right, right. But this just isn't true. Sure, there are variables, but by and large, if we did those same things that the heavy hitters were doing, we would be able to get similar results. The, the, the honest truth is we just don't put in the same amount of effort. And we, and we don't commit ourselves like those that are the most successful. Mm -hmm. So the same is true here. There's no one thing that will instantly skyrocket your production. Rather, there are many things that when done and improved on together will have a compound effect that will keep raising the ceiling on how much you can produce. And it's about... It's about being committed and, you know, we'll talk about a lot of these, these different things here. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's not <laughs> one thing. Unfortunately, that would be awesome if it was, but it's not, you know, most of the time when we think of really big producers out there, we think it's because they have some niche, you know, for example, this is a cosmetic office just doing large you know, cases, smile makeovers, or that dentist has an all on four office or they're ortho based, you know, or whatever it may be. Now, those procedures are for sure going to help those dentists and people that are able to narrow their focus onto those types of things are likely to do really well. But people would be surprised to know that most big producing offices don't just do one specialty procedure over and over. They're a lot more like um, your office than you may know. Rather than doing one thing, they do 
several things, but they do them extremely well and they do them consistently. So we'll kind of go over a few of them today. Yeah. So Steve and I are actually going to dedicate two episodes to this topic and share about 15 different things that we've implemented in our lives and in our offices, which are definitely things that any of you can do in your offices to give you the best chance of performing higher and hitting higher numbers. But first, one thing that I don't want to get hung up on in this episode is the numbers. I mean, interesting that I say that when I talk about the $10,000 day, we will definitely talk about uh, the numbers and I'll, you know, I'm going to be trying to be open and share some of mine, but I don't want this to seem like some kind of a contest. Some of you may look at me when I share the numbers and think, oh, that's just impossible. Others of you may be listening and may say, oh, well, I'm doing more than him. The point isn't to brag or to make <laughs> comparisons, but it's to help you raise your own beliefs about what you believe is possible and wherever you're at in this journey. Well said. Yeah. Hopefully no one's going to be asking you to email them your tax returns or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would uh, I I might actually take that as a compliment though. That would <laughs> <laughs> So that leads to point number 1. Point number 1 is belief. It's time for some self-reflection. So I want each of you as you're listening to this to think, do you have numbers in your head that seem like, oh, if I could only produce a certain amount, you know, is there a number where you're thinking, if I could only produce a certain amount every day, then I would be happy? Or is there a number that just seems out of reach for you? That, uh, you know, there's there's a certain number and you can keep raising it, but then at some point that number seems too high. It's, it's out of your range. We all have barriers. More successful people have figured out ways to raise the ceiling on their barriers. But guess what? They still have barriers. So think about yours. How can you increase them? Here's a quick exercise that you can do. I want you to think of what is the highest month that you've ever had in your practice or, or even a day. What is the highest day that you've ever had? Now, if you can take the time, go back to that month or that day and review it and look at what allowed you to reach those numbers. What did you do well? What was different about this time period? So I want you to list those things out. And after you have... And, and thought through, okay, what allowed you to reach this number? I want you to develop a plan for how you can make those things happen on a daily and weekly basis. If you've done it before, you can do it again, right? Yes, of course. So if you can do it again and again and again, eventually it could become your norm. Is it possible? And do you believe that it's possible? A few years ago, I definitely didn't believe that I could ever produce the numbers that I am now. And this isn't something that just develops overnight. You push yourself, you grow a little, you raise the bar, you push yourself a little more, you grow a little more, and then you raise the bar again. It's, it's a continuous process of, of going through these steps over and over. Yeah, great point. 
You know, the natural reaction to hearing about somebody doing extremely well is, you know, that's not possible for me. But the truthful statement would be, that's not possible for me if I continue to do what I've always done. That would be a true statement. Basically, we just need to do things differently. You know, many times we base um, what is possible off what we see as the average of whatever the average dentist is doing. And we kind of want to blend in. And, you know, if you're happy there, you know, and that's where you want to be, that's actually just fine. But if you want to do better, if you want something more, you just have to more or less change kind of who you're comparing yourself to. You know, you've heard the the saying that you are the average of the five people that you most associate with. Well, maybe we can immerse ourselves in a different crowd, you know, so that we're speaking with and sharing ideas with and reading from other dentists that um, stretch our expectations of what can be done. Now, be careful. Most of the time, I, I want to be careful with the word compare because lots of times when we compare, we just feel worse about ourselves or we get frustrated. What I mean by this is uh, someone we can look towards who's doing better than us from the perspective of what can I learn from them? And kind of going back to your point, someone that says, well, if they're doing it, if someone else is doing it, that must mean it can be done. It is possible. So I just need to play the copycat game, learn from them what they're doing and try to change myself. Yeah, totally agree. As you were sharing that, it, it reminded me of of one other aspect of of belief and and barriers that I wanted to touch on real quick. When I first started really studying money and and business and financial stuff, I I had a friend that recommended a book to me and it's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind and uh, is by T Harv Ecker. When, when I first started studying these types of things, I really didn't think a whole lot about beliefs and, and barriers and stuff that we're talking about in, in this one point. I thought that successful people were just smart and hard workers. I, I didn't think that there was a whole lot of this other kind of what I would term wishy-washy belief stuff. But when I read this book, it it really opened my eyes to the reality that highly successful people have found ways to grow their beliefs in what they believe that they can accomplish. And the book was a little strange to me. I mean, it really was kind of the first book that I read that kind of delved into this type of stuff. Um, But it really helped me realize some barriers that I had in place. For example, it made me realize that I, I literally had a limit on how much money I thought was okay to make each year. And that if you make a, if you make more than that, well, that's just too much money. You know, no, nobody needs that much money. And yeah, you've lost your ways, your, your priorities are off. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, I thought, I thought, well, so, I mean, I was very interested in being financially successful, but it's very interesting because I also had this other side of my mind that was like, well, yeah, you want to be successful, but not too successful because that could be a bad thing. Um, (laughs) And the author in this book, he talks about his dad complaining about rich people and how they didn't deserve it or, you know, talking negatively in general about financially successful people. And 
he talked about how his dad would invest and would often lose money. And he believes that it was partly due to the fact that his dad had mental barriers on how much money was okay to have in his life. Yeah. And I, I think that we very likely all have certain aspects or certain ideas going on in our mind, whether we realize it or not. So I do think that it's important to focus on your your barriers and to kind of explore this idea because raising your ceiling is going to allow you to believe more, which will in result change your actions and it will change your your mindset and your perspective as you go through these actions, therefore changing the end result. Yeah. Well said. Okay. So that's number one is, is belief. Number two is the number. So do you have a number? And when I say a number, I'm talking about, is there a number each day when you go into the office that you know is your goal to hit it? If so, if you do have a number, is your team aware of this number? If they are aware of the number, is it something that they are actively looking at each day, looking for areas to make sure that your office is hitting it or, or, or even goes above and beyond? This is one of the first steps, and I think this is very, very important. I mean, of course, how can you expect to grow if you don't have specifics in place? So I have increased the number in our office, this number that we're shooting for each year for the last three years. And our daily average has increased by, by about $1,000 each year. So three years ago, our, our goal was at $11,000 a day. The next year, we raised that to 12000 and now this year it's at 13,000. And this year actually so in my in my first quarter our daily average is actually above our goal and at 14,000 a day. So again, I'm not sharing those numbers to to brag and and like I said some of you may be saying, "Well, Derek, I'm doing 20,000 a day." And loser. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's okay that's great and you know for any of you are the the point is not about that you know where you are in 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 relation to everyone else but it's about are you are you pushing yourself and and trying to grow so i'm i'm sharing my numbers just just to share with with others maybe to show what might be possible and how much you can grow each year if you are being intentional about it. But that is that is what this point is about, is, is this number, is, is being intentional, that you're pushing yourself so that no matter what your number is, that you're committed to hitting it each day. Yeah, that's awesome, Derek. And before people beat themselves up or try to throw sticks at Derek, just keep in mind that he has been building this uh, very intentionally every month for the last, it's been four years now, right? Yep. Yeah. Four years. Whew. You're not a new dentist anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll just share for listeners. I kind of know how he did it too. So Derek has always, if he finds, you know, if you find someone, impre- uh, something impressive, I've noticed you will reach out to that person and you will learn everything about how and what they're doing. 
dozens of different successful dentists and other business people. Seems like you reach out to them, no matter how big they are, by the way, which is really cool. <laughs> and um, you pick their brain and learn their ways. So I think we all recognize Derek is a great teacher, but you know, while he's doing these podcasts and coaching with the lifestyle practice, but I think it's really because you're kind of a master student. Thank you. Yeah, not in dental school, not that kind of student. But real <laughs> student. And then I would maybe just add to the point about your number. If you don't know how to choose your number or what number to start at, go ahead and look at your practice financials and determine what your break-even point is. So what is the dollar amount you must hit after which your collections will all be profit to you? So basically the total of all your monthly expenses, that's your break-even point. Everything above that is yours. So then determine, after you have that, how much you want to make in a month and then put it on top of the break-even point and divide it by how many days you want to work. So let's just say if you want to make $20,000 a month, so $240,000 a year, and your office expenses each month are twenty-five k, then your number should be forty-five k, twenty thousand dollars a month. And then if you work fifteen days a month, then your daily number would need to be three thousand. And you know you can use any numbers you want. Those that's just an example. But learn your break-even number to help you understand uh, what your daily goal should be in order to earn what you want to have. Yeah. Excellent point. Basically, you've just said what point number three is. Point number three is has to do with scheduling. And Justin and I discussed this on our episode. It's, it's called uh, scheduling to goal in your dental practice. And the first step in this is exactly what you described. Uh, and, and that is deciding what your daily goal should be. We're not going to go more into detail into that here because you can go back and listen to that episode, but I did want to include that in, in the list today. So this is different than number two. Number two that we talked about is just having a specific number that you're shooting for each day. And that is the first step. And when you're ready to kip, kick it up a notch, you can do so by changing the way that you schedule, scheduling according to that number so that uh, that you can be hitting that number each day. Yeah, nice. Number four. Number four is to cut your clinical days in the office. Wait, to do right. more? Oh, I knew you were going to say this, Steve. <laughs> no, um, this is, uh, no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would, that uh, you're, you're speaking for when you say that. And, and honestly, this is likely not the right move for most of you at this point. I believe that you need to really be maximizing your practice pretty well before you start to cut back time. But I, I do want to share this idea behind it because uh, I think it's important. The, the principle is that many times we think that we are trying our hardest when in reality there is a lot of fluff in our schedules. So when you decrease the amount of time that you are practicing, but you still have the same load or the same amount of patients that you need to see, it forces you to adapt and figure out how to become more productive with your time so that you can still get it all done. 
it's, you know, it makes me think of in dental school when they gave you uh, 60 minutes, they give you a whole hour to prep your first class one for your first test on a, on a model. Did you really need that full hour? You know, if, if they had given you 30 minutes, would it have been half of the grade as if you had the full hour? What if they gave you 15 minutes? Uh, so th- the principle is, is the same here. Obviously, it's not exactly the same because we've increased our speed and we can do things better. But a lot of times we don't reach our potential because we don't push the limits to find out how much we can improve. Yeah. So Justin and I discussed this in the episode. It's it's called, can you produce more in less time at the office? This is one of was, uh, you know, one of the first few that we, we did, but we went in depth here. That was a goldie. So let me, uh, Explore this a little bit further, Derek. A little question for you. Why do you think this happens? Um, is it because we're suddenly forced to schedule better? Um, is it because you're suddenly more rejuvenated and you work better? Why do you think it is that suddenly less time can equal, paradoxically, more production? I think it's a combination of things, and I'm glad you asked. It, you know, if, if, if listeners, if you want to go back and listen to that episode you're going to hear a lot of these ideas expanded upon, but I think it's worth touching on again here. So yeah, like I said, it's a combination of things. When you cut your hours, yes, you are more rested and able to give it your all. I think that would be the first thing that I, that I share. For example, I'm watching the last dance right now about Michael Jordan and the bulls in, in it, uh, it, it shows in Michael's second season, he broke his ankle and he was out for 64 games. When he came back, the staff was really worried about him getting injured again. So they limited his playing time to seven minutes per half. He played like this for the rest of the season and they barely made the playoffs. But then when they were in the playoffs, they removed the restrictions so that he could play as many minutes as the coach wanted to put him in for. They asked Michael about it and he said it was like he said it was like unleashing a, a wild animal. <laughs> he said and they played they were the last seed, so they played the number 1 seed, the Boston Celtics, and Michael had 50 and 60 point games, really incredible. They lost the series, but he set himself apart from everyone else in the NBA with his his performance there. So yeah. anyway, this is a simple example and kind of the way that I see it. I have a four-day weekend every week. So when I come back, I am ready to push it and ready to give everything that I have to my office. I can give it all my energy and I, I can leave it all on the floor, so to speak, because I know that I'm that I'm going to have plenty of time at home with my family so that and, and that giving it my all while I'm there is is what allows me to have that. Yeah. So I, I guess that's point number one. The the second is that when you cut back the number of hours you're in the office, you like I said before, you realize that you have to do the same amount of dentistry, but now in less time. So you start to discover areas of, of, of fluff, things that you were doing before that can be cut out. Mm-hmm. In a way, you're forced to become more efficient with the time that you have. And I think it's a great thing. You definitely learn a lot about 
processes and the procedures that you go through when you go through this this transformation. And for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. We all do things a little bit differently. So there's, you know, certain things that we do more or less effectively than others. But when you have to be more productive in less time, it forces you to see those inefficiencies and to be able to correct them in order to keep doing the same monthly production that you were doing before, which means yeah. an increase in the daily amount that you're doing. Yeah. What about what about you, Steve? Uh, have you experienced this or, you know, do you have any other thoughts here? No, I think you, I think you summed it up really well. I do three and a half days right now. And there's definitely, I kind of have a movement to prioritize other things. So you're kind of limiting less effective things, really low fee procedures or insurances that you may not, that may not allow you to make that much in a limited amount of time. So I think you are forced to kind of prioritize more valuable treatment. But one thing I'm I'm sure most people can relate to is what is the opposite of here? If you're not working less days, you know, I think when you work a really long week and you work really hard for five days, there's this, maybe I'm just being a wuss, but I think um, a sense of apathy kind of starts to set in towards the end. You know, I remember late afternoons were like a tired time for me. And I bet most dentists on, you know, Thursday at four, they're not thinking, oh yeah, let's, let's add these couple fillings into this appointment. Let's get this other person in, you know, and also I bet people driving to work on Friday morning, I wouldn't be saying, oh, how are we going to push it and maximize everything? I'm, I'm kind of thinking that would be a lot easier to dwell on the upcoming weekend and just try to get through the day in order to start the weekend. So um, maybe people can relate to that too. I think you're more efficient and effective if you're not fatigued after a long time. But I do want to say I really appreciate that Michael Jordan reference, loving the uh, new documentary out. And I think the uh, 90s were just like the golden age of basketball. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He scored all his points from like mid range. Did you know that? He yeah. was like 60 points without a three pointer. It's like that has surprised me. I mean, just because of how much basketball, how much the NBA has changed and going back and back and watching that, I'm like, wow, this is really different. You know, yeah. I mean, everybody talks about it, but then to go back and watch old footage is uh, really interesting. So, yeah, great points there. Um, we're going to share one more and uh, wrap that up for, for today and get into the rest next time. But so, Number five is mindset. And we already talked about belief. And so some of you might be thinking, okay, Derek, come on, get off of the soapbox. Come on, mindset. So ethereal. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is a little bit different here and it's so important. And I can't stress this enough, but it has to do with, you need to feel a sense of urgency in accomplishing as much as possible while you are at the office. You need to be giving a hundred percent of yourself in every situation that you're in. It's, you know, it's interesting because you talk about how you're feeling more refreshed, um, having more time off. And I have a friend that I was talking about this concept with, and he was saying, well, man, aren't, aren't the days that you're in the office just, you know, busy and stressful? Like, isn't that just hard? And you just don't want to go to the office. And I was explaining to him like how for me, Honestly, if I show up and there is a day of of holes, 
in the schedule, man, that day is going to be way more stressful to me than when I show up and it's a packed <laughs> so schedule and I'm going to be busy. So true. Um, <laughs> I would, if I am going to be away from my family, I want to be working my butt off. I don't want to be sitting in my office. So, I mean, I suppose maybe there's some people that are different in this way and that's, that's okay. The point is, again, over and over, we've said it is to have the lifestyle that you want. So if taking it at a slower pace makes you feel better and you enjoy your time off more that way, then that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the the point is to be intentional and to design your practice and your lifestyle in a way that is going to give you what you want. So Let's get mm-hmm. back to this point of, of giving 100% of yourself in every situation that you're in in your practice. What do I mean by this? What I mean is when you're in hygiene doing a recall, you are, you are 100% in that moment with that patient, building a relationship, answering questions, giving your polished, uh, referring to the, the polish episode by you and Justin, um, giving your polished case presentation to patients looking for opportunities to add treatment to the schedule for for the day. You know, all of those things just while you're in doing a a recall example. That's just one example. But again, this is intentional. This doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You don't just show up to work on Monday morning at eight o'clock and just, you know, sit in your office and wait to go where your staff tells you that they need you. You show up, you understand the schedule you and your team know what the numbers are looking like and you're looking for opportunities to grow it. You can push yourself to drive to your goals or you can coast to nowhere in particular. You are at the helm and there is no one to blame but yourself for not ending up where you want to be. The helm, that's the front of the boat, is that right? The guy with the the wheel? Yeah, this this the steering ship, the steering wheel at the front of the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of that picture in my mind. I was going to say you're the rudder, but no, it's yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, I I like the last point too. You know, it's it's kind of up to up to us, right? Accepting full responsibility, the buck stops with us. And accepting responsibility is easy when things are going really well. You know, if you have one of those killer days we were talking about earlier, it's it's fun to say, hey, look what I did. But it can be uncomfortable when things aren't going well. <clears throat> you know, because if we understand it's it's on us, we can't blame external factors, you know, whether it's staff or missed appointments or weather or insurance or anything. You know, we have to say, what have I done that ended up getting me into this result? So, the first part is being humble enough to kind of own up to that. <clears throat> and then the second part can be even harder, you know, rather than having a pity party or feeling sorry for yourself if you accept responsibility. The second part is you have to have the commitment to change whatever we're doing wrong. And this may be learning how to be a better leader, to communicate better, uh, something else. Um, but you have to you have to have the strength to change and if you don't know if you want to but you don't know how to change that's the time to bring on a mentor or a coach or someone that can kind of see in your rear view mirror blind spot that you're just not seeing what's what's wrong and 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 bring someone in to to help you there so i i think it's great i i love the i love that point mindset and and it is a it is really 100% because you have to do it all day, every day. If you kind of drop the ball, even for a little bit, especially if you're trying to do it in less time, it kind of 
slows you down and, and puts you off your goals. Yeah. Great points. So that's where we're going to wrap it up. Let's, let's recap real quick. So we've discussed five points so far. The first is belief and raising your barriers. The second was having a number that you are shooting for every day and you're in your office. Number three is scheduling in a way that is going to allow you to hit that number each day. Number four is cutting back your time in the office. And number five is having a mindset where you are intentional and in the moment and committed to your goals all throughout the day in your office. So go ahead and start uh, thinking about those things, put together a plan of what you will implement, and we will finish this up next week with the rest of the things on our list. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Have a good one. Later. Jump without a net, never break a sweat Cause I live my life like it's all I got